Hey, it's Michael Zapersky, author of Consulting Success, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best. Have you ever wondered why some consulting firms thrive and grow even in the harshest conditions, while others seem to have all the advantages yet fail to take off? My next guest, Michael Zapersky, shares his secrets for success that have grown not only his firm, but have helped over 22,000 consultants from more than 80 countries improve their business conditions. Listen in and be ready to take notes to accelerate your journey toward consulting success. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Bill Ringel, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock their growth potential. Joining me today is Michael Zapersky. Michael is founder and CEO of Consulting Success. He's advised organizations like Financial Times, Dow Jones, and helped Panasonic launch new products into global markets. But more importantly, he's helped over 300 consultants from around the world in over 50 industries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. His work has been featured in Marketing Profs, Institute of Management Consultants, Fox Business, Duct Tape Marketing, and many others. He's the author of five books on consulting and business growth. He's here to talk about his book, Consulting Success, The Proven Guide to Start, Run, and Grow a a Successful Consulting Business. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? There's, There's many people. One person who I often come back to when I'm asked that question uh, is someone by the name of Moria. I always call him Moria son. Um, when I started uh, a consulting business with my cousin Sam, who to this day is my business partner, we've we've built and grown and sold uh, multiple businesses together. But I went off to Japan and opened up a branch office for our consulting business. Uh, and one of the the key people who really kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes in in Japan was a, a man by the name of, of Moria. And so he ran, uh, he was the managing director of a large advertising agency, really opened up a lot of doors that otherwise would have been very challenging for me to do by myself as a foreigner, but really created the opportunity to work with some very well-known, uh, very large organizations and uh, paved the way for some great success. You mentioned your cousin, Sam, and it's interesting that you've worked with him through several businesses. How did that connection form? Did you grow up in the same uh, neighborhood, the same house? And what led you to being so close? Yeah, it's a great question. This goes back uh, a long time. I mean, I, I was born in Toronto. I My parents then kind of picked us up and moved us to Israel. So I spent quite a few years growing up there. And then when I came back to Canada, uh, this time to Vancouver, I didn't, I felt like an outsider. I didn't have any role models. I didn't have anyone that I really knew except for, you know, my father's brother and his family. So these are my cousins. Uh, and Sam was my older cousin. Uh, and so he really was at that time kind of a role model for me. He was the only person that I felt close to, even though I didn't speak that much English at that time. Uh, and he was a few years older than me. So we created a, a bond pretty quickly and we've been like brothers uh, ever since. We've now gone on to to build multiple companies together. We've grown uh, those and we've sold a couple of them as well. So, um, you know, working with family or, or anyone that you really care about can sometimes provide some challenges, but it also, when you get it right, uh, is, is really, you know, incredibly enjoyable. Michael, describe the business model that you, you, you and Sam work today. Who are the clients you serve? What problem do you help them with? And how do you operate? Yeah, I mean, after building uh, consulting businesses and running them for the last 18 years, uh, about 10 years ago, we wanted to create 
uh, a way to really help others, uh, but do it online. And so, uh, you know, consultingsuccess.com start off really as a place for me to share stories from the trenches, what was working for me as a consultant, what wasn't working, lessons learned, best practices. And so we started putting up articles online, had no real plan around monetization and what that would be, just knew that we wanted to do something online. So as we continue to run uh, our consulting business, we shared this content and we saw demand in the community and engagement build. And, uh, and from there, we decided, okay, well, you know, we seem to be having a lot of people, we have more and more people inquiring about, can they learn something more from us? And so we developed a course, uh, which we put out and, you know, many thousands of uh, customers later and many years later, uh, it's now really shifted into uh, a business where uh, we work and we have a team and, you know, we have a, an online program for consultants to this day, but we also have uh, coaching programs for consultants where we work very closely with them to help them to get real clarity around who their ideal client is, to develop messaging that will get the attention and interest of their ideal clients, to really figure out how to best package and position and, and place value on and price uh, all of their expertise you know, as service offerings uh, or product offerings, and then also how to uh, implement a marketing engine so that they're able to consistently attract uh, ideal clients and not have to go through the roller coaster of, you know, of income and confidence. Michael, I'm, I'm sure you know many consultants who are in this situation, and I do as well, and probably a lot of people listening, be consulting as something that's done as a, an interim between full-time positions. And you're not only advocating, you're helping people make that transition in order to pursue full-time consulting work. What do you think are a couple of the prerequisites to successfully make that transition? Because I don't believe that everyone it was right for that. And tell me if you, th if you agree or disagree with that. First of all, do you think that anyone could be a consultant? I think anyone can be a consultant uh, if they have a few things. I mean, the first and most important is the ability to really provide value to the client that you're serving. If you can, um, you know, leave them off in a better place, if you can solve their problem, if you can help them to reach a goal, then you can uh, serve. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing that is also incredibly important, uh, you know, in addition to providing a good solution or, or product, uh, is to be able to run it as a business. A lot of people forget that they are in a business which requires marketing, which requires you to kind of venture past the maybe the zone of comfortable and get into the, the zone of the unknown and the uncomfortable at times. Uh, but if you are really prepared to you know, run a business to do some marketing uh, and to engage with the marketplace and provide value, you can be exceptionally successful. Peter Drucker once said that my greatest strength as a consultant is to be ignorant and ask a few questions. You've said that that statement reveals one of the great keys to your success as a consultant in that not all questions are the same. What do you mean by that? Well, the most important thing that I would say on this topic is that the best consultants are people who ask questions consistently. It's not so much about, you know, what you prescribe because a good prescription, you know, first always comes from a very good diagnosis. Um, this is a, a common mistake that early stage consultants make is where they think that the client is buying their methodology or uh, their deliverables. But in fact, what a client is really buying is, is a result in the outcome. And the only way that you can really help them to figure out what is going to be the best path or the best way to get to that outcome or to really solve the core issue 
is to ask questions. Uh, you know, when you go into a doctor's office, the doctor doesn't say, hey, how are you feeling? You say, oh, I'm, I'm bad. And they say, oh, okay, here's a prescription for feeling bad, uh, right? That would be malpractice. They would get sued. Well, the way that, you know, a consultant does it is the same way that a doctor does it. Uh, if you're good, it's you ask a lot of questions. You really go deep to understand what is going on in that situation. Uh, and you apply critical thinking to that. And from that results, uh, some clarity, which, you know, becomes a set of recommendations to move down the path towards the ultimate result that you want. Let's define that or, or illustrate that a little bit further. When you say that what customers or what clients are really purchasing is a result or outcome. Can you contrast that with the methodology in a practical situation? Sure. So, I mean, I just spoke with a client earlier today who is having conversations with CMOs. Uh, so we can, we can call this client Kevin and Kevin's area of expertise is, is around data and analytics. And, you know, he's talking to a whole bunch of CMOs and what he was finding in his conversations with CMOs is they're saying to him, listen, this is interesting. What you're telling me and what you do is interesting, uh, but it's not really a priority for us right now. And this is happening consistently across several conversations. So what we explored together is, you know, really what's going on. And really what's going on is that he's focusing currently too much on what he provides and the way that he is positioning and communicating what he provides isn't what the buyer actually wants. It's not what the client really wants. So instead, if instead of focusing on, you know, the process, the methodology of what he's doing to gather the data and the interview process and all that, by shifting it to first focusing on what is the actual outcome that the buyer wants, what is the result that they want, which, you know, might be increasing sales by, be by really better understanding their own customers and their own clients he can then frame what he's offering. So it's less about his process to getting there, but more about actually achieving the result. And that then gets the attention of the buyer because now you're speaking the buyer's language. You're not talking about your methodology or your process to begin with. You're first getting acceptance and agreement with the buyer that you know, you're talking about the same thing and they're going to be much more interested in learning more about that. And then you can position what you're offering so that it really does align with what they want. Does that make sense? I, I sure get what you're saying. And if I understand correctly, what you're saying is, is that in order for the buyer to be receptive to what you're offering, you've got to first find out what their end game is and then offer your solution as a means of getting there rather than look at how fancy my analytics are. 100%, right? And, and that's a very common mistake that people make uh, when you go into a meeting and you come you know, prepared with this slide deck to just kind of take people through. Well, what if your slide deck isn't what they want? What if there's nuances in, you know, they woke up this morning and they're thinking about something a little bit different than maybe they were thinking about the day before? Uh, and this is back to the question that you posed and kind of that quote with from Peter Drucker, right, is really around that the best consultants are those who ask great questions. And what it really signals is that to be more successful in consulting, to have more business opportunities, you've got to go in with a sense of willingness to explore questions, to not know things, and genuinely want to learn so that you can align yourself with helping your client or your prospective client become more successful and reach those outcomes. Definitely. I mean, the I think a prerequisite to uh, to reaching a higher level of success is the desire to continue learning. My observation is that the most successful consultants are those who not only want to consistently learn new things, and, and that's actually for them, if, you know, if you're not learning, you start to feel uncomfortable inside. You start to feel like you're not making progress. So great consultants 
you know, enjoy the challenge of learning new things. But I also have observed that great consultants uh, continually like to teach new things. They like to help others. They like to make an impact. And I think those are two qualities that great consultants have. So as I think about some of the people who would be listening to this, I know that many are in a situation where they're working a corporate job and they've always wanted to go out and become a consultant. And one of the barriers to that that many people have told me is not being able to generate enough interest or generate enough, we'll get down to it as replacement income, but enough business to replace and exceed what they're making in their current job if they've been there for 15, 20 years. For people who have made that transition successfully working with you, what can you tell us about helping those people know that that's possible? And what are some of the guidelines that you've helped others with in order to make that transition? Yeah, it's a great question. I know that one that a lot of people think about, and you know, we've worked with uh, a lot of consultants who have made that transition from corporate to consultant, and, and it can be a, a pretty scary one to make that leap. Uh, some people find that you know, kind of slowly weaning off can help, meaning that you continue with your corporate role uh, and start consulting on the side until you have enough income. That, that's one way, but others find that they you know, get put in a position where they don't have a choice. They just, you know, they're let go or there's some big change or an acquisition or they've just had enough. Uh, and so for those, it's incredibly, incredibly important that they put in place the right fundamentals. You know, one client of ours by the name of Dawn, she was in this exact situation and she took the, the route of kind of working with her existing uh, employer uh, to become her first consulting client. And so that's a strategy that can work really well for people. And I would encourage everyone to to look at that as an opportunity. Another client by name of Elliot, also in California, you know, he was transitioning from a corporate career into consulting, went 100% into consulting, uh, was no longer working for his past employer. And he thought it would take him several years to make back the, the level of, of salary that he was at, but he achieved that in about five months or six months, I believe. Uh, and now several years later, you know, he's making significantly more in terms of several times more than he was before. But not only that, he now has the ability to to travel the world with his spouse, to work with clients that he loves, to really, you know, create the business and craft the business in the way that uh, that he so desires. But back to your, your question, Bill, which is how, you know, how do you get there? Well, you get there by having the right fundamentals in place. I think these days, we're all surrounded by so much choice. We have so much information that it can become hard to really hone in on fundamentals that drive a business. We're often you know, distracted by flashy new ideas or social media techniques or you know the latest gizmo or whatever it might be. And these are things that are easy to kind of play with or to use, but they, in most cases, aren't the most beneficial for getting traction in our business. And so as a consultant, if you are transitioning from a, a corporate a situation to a consultant, what you really want to get focused on is number one, identifying who your ideal clients are. Like really who, who are they? Who are the ones that are most likely to buy? Who are the ones that have you know a, a desire that is so strong or a, a, a bleeding neck as some people describe it, where the, the pain is, is so high that they are actively looking for a solution. And if you can identify who those people are and then position your expertise so that it provides that solution, they will become buyers and clients for you much faster. And I think this is really important. Number one is, is this ideal client clarity, as we call it. The second thing, right, is your messaging. And the way that you get your messaging uh, or that you get clear on your messaging is by going out and having conversations. 
And if I had to encourage people to do one thing and one thing alone, it would be to have conversations. It would be to go out to prospective ideal clients. It would be to leverage your network. It would be to, you know, go out cold if you need to, uh, or, or attend different trade shows or association events, uh, whatever you need to do, but to have conversations with people who you either A, believe are your ideal clients and buyers, uh, and B, those that are connected to that marketplace or know about it, which could be other consultants, uh, authors, speakers, you know, people that are uh, influencers in that landscape, and to ask them some really you know, deep questions around what are they doing? What challenges are they having? What are they seeing where the greatest needs are? And so forth. The more questions that you ask, the more that you then get to learn, and that will then help you to evolve very quickly to identify who really is your ideal client? You know, you can become very, very focused on that and find like a hyper-responsive segment of the market, again, that is most likely to buy. You can then tailor your messaging to them. You can then tailor your offerings to them. You can then figure out what price point makes sense. You can then figure out what is the best way to reach more of those people. But also what happens is that by doing this process, you now learn a lot that you can you know, turn around once you've made some adjustments and go back to these same people and say, hey, thank you so much for sharing all that with me. Here's what I've done. Uh, here's what I've put together. What do you think? And if you've done this correctly, what you're going to find is that many of those same people that you spoke to will either say, hey, that's really great. Here's actually who you should speak with. Or they'll say, that sounds really great. Um, you know, tell me more about how you think you could maybe help us because this really seems like exactly what we're looking for now. Is there someone you know in a particular market who's maybe worked through the consulting success program who's been able to do that? And I imagine that that sort of process starts out the same, yet can manifest at the end point in a variety of different ways. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so I just meant, I'm going to use the same example here, Elliot, that I was just talking about. I think he's a great example of this. I mean, there's, there's many others as well. He really embraced this idea of having conversations. Uh, he'll also be probably the first one to, to tell you, or, you know, you can, you can maybe listen to some interviews because we have some interviews of, of clients that we've done online. He has, one of his is, is featured. But he was very resistant to the, uh, you know, to this idea of in, of engaging directly with clients right away, or maybe feeling like he'd be a bit too pushy, and just wondering, you know, like where he could take this. Um, and so there was certainly doubt that he had, as, as probably most people do when you're starting out. But for him, you know, he's in, initially started off in kind of the leadership space, even though his background is more in food and agriculture. Uh, he now works with emerging food and beverage brands and runs a very successful consulting practice. But he was able to get there far and away, you know, the number one factor if we had to prioritize and really focus on the 80-20 of, of what made the difference for him, it was having conversations. Uh, and not just conversations with buyers, but but really also with influencers. Uh, and he created almost like this advisory board around him of people that he could, uh, you know, put out uh, questions and get ideas back or get feedback on. Uh, and that really helped him to create this this network and this ecosystem that was very supportive for him, but also led to a lot of business and opportunities for growth. Michael, you also are known for saying how technology can often be a distraction or even a detriment to building consulting practice. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, definitely. And as you know, I kind of alluded to this just a few moments ago, but these days we, we have so much technology available to us. And I think a lot of it is, is really great, but there's also a big problem that's going on, which is that 
because we're in this you know society where we all expect things to happen instantly because we're actually able to achieve a lot instantly you know we can I can pick up my phone right now and type a, a message and send it to my wife and you know she's gonna get it well she might not look at it right away but um, you know but theoretically she can receive it right away we're so we're able to go to Google we're able to type stuff in and we get in you know instantaneous answers so for many people they expect that their business should be able to grow instantaneously or they should be able to implement a marketing strategy that they read about in some online uh, blog or they watch some webinar or they you know heard it at a talk or whatever and they think oh it worked for someone else so that should definitely work for me and so they go off and they jump on this new technology or this new tool and they spend a lot of time setting it all up and thinking through it and feeling like they're productive like they're really you know doing work that doesn't help them to grow their business and then they launch it and they work it and then nothing happens and nothing happens because that is just a tool it is in most cases still means that they're if they don't have the fundamentals in place into their business, it doesn't matter what tools or technology they use. It's just like dust on the sidelines. It's, it doesn't really make an impact. And that's why if you go back to, you know, like whether it's years back or you just look at the most successful people in most industries, it, it's not about the technology they use that's allowing them to be successful. It's that they've identified who their ideal clients are, who their ideal customers are. They figured out what they want and then they figured out the best way to get it to them. And they've made continual adjustments along the way so that when they get feedback like, you know, this is not what they want, they want something else, then they tinker with that a little bit, they adjust it, they optimize it, and they put it back out there again. So my real recommendation to people is when they're looking at technology is to really think about, is this going to help me to really move my business forward? Is this going to help me to reach the goal that I've set out in the most efficient and effective way possible? And so just an example of this bill would be, you know, you want to acquire more clients and you've, you believe that you've identified who your ideal clients are. Maybe they are uh, marketing directors at large law firms in, you know, the East coast of the U S. Okay. Well, you could, you know, buy this list of those people and you could set up this kind of complex nurture campaign that you might run to them with different emails and maybe you're going to set up some phone tracking or maybe you can do some social media stuff to try and you know follow their content and reply back and like, you could do all that but you could also just like identify who they are on linkedin uh, connect with them or find out you know who's a secondary connection that can introduce you to those people and you could just you know reach out to them and connect to them the same day uh, or if you're local to that area you could start off and you could go to an event where where those people are going to be uh, or you could if you've written a book or you have some thought leadership types of materials you could send that to them in the mail uh, with a nice personalized letter and then call to follow up you know there's a lot of things that we can do that might seem a little bit more uncomfortable because it's very easy to hide behind technology, but it's infinitely more effective because it gets you in front of that ideal client in a much more direct path and a much more direct way. And that shifts, you know, at, over time as your business becomes and your marketing becomes more mature, you'll be able to do less and less of that direct outreach. And you'll be able to have a lot more inbound inquiries coming in. But when you're getting started in your marketing, even if you've been consulting for many years, you want to be loading up or increasing your percentage of direct outreach because it's going to make an impact for you much sooner than just waiting for things to come to you. That's right. I think that what you're suggesting is, is that anything that puts distance and space between you and prospective business is to your detriment, even if it's the latest and greatest and shiniest technology. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I would also just maybe add one point of distinction, which is that, you know, we could, if we're talking about marketing, we could say that distance would be like writing 
an article and publishing it on your blog or LinkedIn or whatever it might be. So especially if you're you know, posting onto your blog, let's say, well, yes, that creates distance. Um, but I don't want people to think that's not a good thing to do. It still can be a very good thing to do because that content is evergreen. It might drive more people to come to your website. But when, if your goal is I need to bring in new business now, then just posting, spending time, you know, writing that article, put it onto your site, instead of time finding a more direct way to get in front of your ideal clients, that's not good prioritization because you're not going to get the result that you want right now as quickly as you possibly can. So in that case, it would be important to spend a bit more time doing the direct outreach, the more direct path to your ideal clients and less time on the kind of evergreen future type of marketing that builds authority and it's, it should be done, but you just need to prioritize your time as you move through the marketing kind of maturity cycle uh, and you have more inquiries coming in and you're not starving for work, well, now you can switch. You can be doing a lot less direct outreach and you should be doing a lot more thought leadership uh, and authority building activities because the value of that you know, compounds and grows uh, and it really can be evergreen. Well put. It's a difference between putting food on the table and planting corn for what happens next season. There you go. Michael, are you ready for the, my quest for the best lightning round? Let's do it. What are the, the key components of your routine for daily success? Uh, so I wake up every day at 5.30, I go to the gym, uh, come back, I have a smoothie for breakfast, I hang out with my wife and daughter, uh, and then I will walk to the office, uh, put in uh, a days of work, speaking with, with clients. Um, I try and also take a break during the day and go for a walk um, just to let my mind, you know, think about things in a different way. I find if you're always in front of a computer, you're always in one place. Um, it's just amazing how when you change your environment, your thoughts can change as well. And then I'll, I'll head back um, later in the day and spend some great time with the family. But one thing that I do that is key to my schedule in addition to the exercise component is making time to read and making time to plan um, and so that often happens at the beginning of the day, but also at the end of the day. What's your favorite way to get unstuck? Do you have a tool or system you use to staying on track and productive? Uh, I guess it depends on what way you're referring to becoming unstuck. But, uh, you know, the first thought that came into my mind when you said that is, um, is really, you know, having a coach or having a peer group of people that you can turn to. And that's what I've done for many years and, and continue to. And what would you say is the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? Last year is hard. I mean, I could say if I go back maybe a few years, one thing that I really have done a lot less of is uh, reading the news or paying attention to the news. I've actually found, and I don't know if this is, if there's any scientific proof of this, but that my income and the growth of the business, you know, increased to a whole new level when I stopped spending time kind of looking at what's just happening in the world. And, and when I say this, I want to be very clear. I am, I consider myself like an international citizen more than even a Canadian citizen. I'm very interested in what's happening in the world and I love cultures and languages and people and, and all of that. But I just find that so much of the news and the media is, is pointless. There's, there's just not much that, that is actually gained from looking at it. And so I found that when I cut that out, even though it was painful at the beginning, that I became more focused. I didn't, there's nothing negative. There's no negative impact of that, but I found a lot of positives that came with it. All right. And so let me ask you, when you think of people who are working through the program in, in consultingsuccess.com, and you think of one of your students that's grown a consulting business faster than anyone, 
who's someone you think of and what are one or two significant things that they did and what are two or three mistakes that they avoided? You know, my mind goes to different places because I can think of, for example, one client, Sharon, who had a good sized list and was following all the, the recommended best practices around creating content and writing articles and, and all of that and had actually developed a nice list uh, you know, in terms of an email list, but was getting no leads and inquiries from it. And so in her case, it was very quick and simple to, to kind of unclog what was going on in her business. And it came from looking at this weekly email newsletter that she was sending out and really just re-engineering the, the focus and the structure and the call to action. And the moment that we did that, her business went from getting like pretty much no leads to getting now, you know, multiple leads every single time she sends out an email. And so that really shifted her business and allowed for significantly greater growth. So that, that's one example that comes to mind. Uh, another one would be Scott, uh, who's based in Belgium and, and works in the, the medical space uh, and with pharma and researchers. Uh, and you know he ran a, a really interesting model, but found that it was too kind of labor intensive and time intensive with a lot of staff and, um, and team members. And so he kind of cut that back down and then reached out when he was looking now to create more stability uh, and more consistency in his pipeline for his new model. And uh, he, again, you know, we went through the fundamentals of really getting clear on who his ideal client was, developing messaging that would resonate with those ideal clients, and then figuring out how to craft an offer that would uh, really work with his business, but also create a lot more leverage for him uh, in his business model. And uh, he wanted to keep it, you know, kind of really trim and, and lean. He didn't want to add on a, a lot more team members. Uh, and so we spent some time engineering a, a good way for him to deliver that. Uh, and his business now has grown and continues to grow uh, because of it. It sounds like in both those cases, the consultant really had a lot of clarity around how they wanted their business to operate, say in two or three steps or iterations from current state. And that was also really useful in helping to design ways to support them to get there. Yeah, I would say to a degree, you know, I think oftentimes people have an idea of where they want to go. Well, we, I mean, certainly we have some clients who are very clear. They know exactly what they want the future to look like. Um, it doesn't mean that that's what we're going to accept, you know, at, at face value. Um, we're we're going to often push back a little bit and challenge them because we all can only see what we can see. And sometimes there's an even better result that we can have if we look at things from a different angle, right? We're just really just applying critical thinking. Uh, but in many cases, people have an idea of where they want to go, but they don't know what they don't know. And so they don't necessarily... Uh, feel fully confident if their ideas are the right ones. And that's one of the reasons why they reach out to us because they want to implement best practices. They want, you know, to be able to tap into this community of consultants who have really been able to, um, to grow their businesses. And so that's what we help them to do is to just look at what they have, uh, what their goals are, and then to figure out what the best path is for them to get there. Because there's many different ways to approach uh, growing and building a consulting business. In addition to thinking that there might only be one way to grow a consulting um, business, what other major misconception do you come across with the people who come to join the consulting success program? Well, I mean, I guess a, a big misconception, uh, this kind of goes back to some of the things we've talked about before, but I think a lot of people are looking for 
the shortcut, right? They're looking for like the one thing that they can do that's going to instantly fix their their problem. When you start to kind of dig deeper into that and peel back some of the layers on that onion, I think people do pretty quickly realize that, okay, yeah, this is going to take more work than maybe I thought that it was going to. Uh, but they're, you know, anytime you build anything of value, it's going to take some time. There are certain situations where people are sitting on assets that when adjusted or, or you know, you, you kind of turn one, you know, one crank, all of a sudden just opens up all these new possibilities and, and money starts pouring in. But in the vast majority of cases, it, it really requires getting very clear on where you want to go and then being prepared to put in the work to get there. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best. You've shared such great ideas, everything from reaching out and finding mentors, um, thinking about whether you're going to look for a result or outcome in order to um, pursue and help people with their consulting rather than looking to attract them through your methodology, being able to get the right fundamentals and how important it is to have the right fundamentals in place in order to build a successful consulting business. And asking, you know, the question that you said that consultants ought to ask is, is this action going to help me in the most efficient and effective way possible? Um, you've shared so many great ideas on my quest for the best today. I want to thank you so much and ask you, do you have any uh, parting words you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, well, I mean, I think some advice that I received many years ago, which continues to, to serve me well, and I probably received it uh, on, on the field when I was playing sports, but it's, it's really about taking action. I mean, you know, first of all, get clear on where you want to go and then start taking steps towards it. It doesn't mean that it's going to be comfortable all the time. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy all the time. Uh, but if you become clear on why you're really doing what you're doing and what you really want to to get out of it, and if it's truly meaningful to you, if it's really worthwhile, uh, then you know allow yourself the opportunity to realize your true potential. Uh, you're certainly going to encounter a lot of challenges along the way. Uh, we all will. And it doesn't matter what stage you're at, whether you're just getting started or you've been doing it for a few years or you've been doing it for decades. You're always going to encounter challenges. doesn't matter what stage of success you're at. Uh, but the main thing is is that you're taking action towards your goal. And you do that consistently. You show up consistently. Even if you get knocked down, you get back up and you keep working towards it, you'll achieve the success that you want. And Michael, how do we find, how do people listening find out more about you and your work? Uh, the best place is to head over to consultingsuccess.com. Uh, we've got plenty of articles, uh, resources, free guides, and information on, on everything else over there. Michael Zapersky, author of Consulting Success, The Proven Guide to Start, Run, and Grow a Successful Consulting Business. Thank you again so much for joining me on my quest for the best. Hey, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. A real pleasure to be with you today. Hi, this is Bill. Before you go, I just want to ask you a quick favor. If you've enjoyed this interview on my quest for the best, I'd love it if you'd go to iTunes, look up my quest for the best, and subscribe. I want to make sure you don't miss the very next episode we have coming up. We've got a lineup of terrific guests, and I know that if you enjoyed this one, you'll like what you find coming up soon. Also, feel free to give it a comment, a like, because we work hard to put these interviews together, and I appreciate making sure that we're reaching you and serving you in the, the best way possible. I look forward to reading your comments, and catch you on the next interview. Thanks so much.